Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coltside Radio's Late Night Movie. Enjoy as your two glorious hosts, Carl Caper and Stephen M. Ronquillo, bring you the best in cinematic quality and rarity and lost gems that you should see more. So, let's get this show started. And tonight, Feature is... Well? What's the nice feature? In the next few moments, we will try to give you an impression of a new kind of film experience. If your curiosity is aroused... You are ready for Phase 4. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Late Night Movie. Yes, we are doing Phase 4 tonight. And this is weird because we're going to be on two different sides of the coin and not for the reasons you think of tonight. For Carl, this is an unsung sci-fi masterpiece to be saw in the 70s that he's been trumpeted forever. Right, Carl? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been going off on this film since I saw it in 74. I freaking love this film. And I saw it on HBO. So that's where I saw it. And for me, this is one of those films I grew up with on either the WATE 6 local movie or, of course, on USA Channel. This was a USA Channel classic. They showed the holy shit back in the early days when uh, USA catered to the stoner crowd. And that's Night Flight, Commander USA Groovy Movie, Saturday Nightmares. I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, they were, I, I didn't really catch them because I was in New York at the time. So I didn't really catch USA. I mean, I would run across it occasionally when I went back to visit my folks at uh, Christmas. But uh I uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get this chance to really experience USA up all night. No, not up all night. That's that late 80s bullshit that doesn't count. The early 80s oh, okay. was the night flight, Saturday nightmares. Right. And we're going to get the movie started because uh Carl has a date as soon, and he has to get out of here. Uh, that's true, and God knows why I have a date, but I do. And then I have it's some Helen things, Mirren. and I have a little bit of cheese. Come in the town, shit out of you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I'm I'm okay. Just so she has a leather teddy, and I'm fine. <laughs> and we're right at the start of the movie. We got it on Criterion channel, but we're right at the very start of the movie where the stars are just fading in, right, Carl? Right, exactly. And get ready to go in five, four, three, two, one, oh. From the very beginning, this movie was made for midnight and herbal substances. Well, 
you know, as we get into it and we talk about the loss ending in that, if this were released in the way that uh, Saul Bass intended, uh, it would harken back to 2001 in a heartbeat. So right now you're in phase one and something's happening yeah, on the Yeah, they just said on the screen. And this is a newer print because when I seen it on TV, Carl, it didn't have that phase one stuff. It just showed the trippy shit. Right. So the person that you hear uh, uh, is Michael uh, Murphy, who uh, was a great actor in this period of time. He did a lot with Zappa. Not with Zappa, excuse me, it was Altman. Wrong wrong, uh, hero. Uh, And, um, of course, uh, was Tanner later in the 80s for the Tanner USA series on HBO that Altman produced. But this, take a look at the visuals here. Oh, I am. There's no way not to. This is just gorgeous. I would love to see this on the biggest goddamn screen I could see. Put this son of a bitch in 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. So what you've got here is you've got micro photography. Micro photography. Now, there was a guy, I have to look what his name is, but he was the, there was a film previous to this called The Hellstrom Chronicle, which was a, sort of like Von Donegan type of uh, pseudo uh, um, uh, documentary. And the guy did all the micro thing. So here, this is all micro photography. And look at the different ants. They're, it, they're like around a circle, you know, like the Godfather. They're all like yeah. figuring out what the fuck to do. Yeah. Hey, man, we going to go get a pizza? No, man, I'm going to get tonight. <laughs> Who gives a fuck what that guy with the triangle in his head wants? Let's go for a pizza. <laughs> you well, look, look at that. Look at that. I mean, that's amazing yeah, photography. So. And you know what? You could put all the giant ants and giant spiders on screen. This is fucking creepier. This is creepy oh, and, as uh, shit. I want to say this came out before the... Chariots of the God shit came out. All of this. Well, well, actually, it's about the same time. It's it's basically the same time. The first true Chariots of the God style uh, crypto uh, crypto film was Hellstrom Chronicles, which was seventy. Yeah. I think uh, Chariots of the Gods came out in seventy four. Uh, you know, around the time yeah. of this movie too. Look at this. So we don't have any story. I'm going to the soundtrack, this. too. And you can tell well, by the, the way the marks on their foreheads and all that that there's something something going on. Yeah. We're making the donuts. God, imagine you're a studio guy and you're expecting the next uh, Logan's run. Yeah, you're not getting it here. Yeah, then you watch this shit and you're like, what the fuck? Is your sound dropping out too on this print? Uh, Not so much. 
Not so much. It's not stopping it. It's like the sound's dropping off, like they're compositing like three or four different prints all together. That could be. That could be. They're organizing. So, exactly. That's the whole point. They're organizing. And and the writer of this is Mayo Simon. Uh, and then this was adapted into a novel by, uh, I forget who it was, but you gave me that novel, the tie-in. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about the soundtrack. Oop. Okay, so the soundtrack is by Brian Gassione. Okay, he also worked with Delia Derbyshire. Now, if you've heard that name before, uh, she was a pioneer of electronic music for the BBC. Yeah. And so Brian worked with her. Carl, I'm too sober to be watching this. (laughs) Let's go into a legal state and then watch this. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but look at this. This is this is just creepy as fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> this became very popular on the USA channel when it was the Weed Stoner channel in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Which I can see. Now Brian Gassioni also scored a uh, number of different films, too, under Milkwood. Uh, and then the biggest one he ever did was for John Borman, The Emerald Forest. But look at that hive of ants. I mean, this gets... That's frightening. Just, this may be the only time you'll ever hear us talk, say, talk about under Milkwood on any of these podcasts that we do together. <laughs> <laughs> in case you're wondering, the book, which is based on the script, is written in this fashion, too. Yes. Okay, so now you're hearing Nigel Davenport's voice. And he does. And look at that photography. Now, that is done in speed, but Jesus. Yeah. That fire is fucking dead, man. Fuck you. Fuck you all. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the same kind of photography. Yeah, go ahead. This is the same kind of photography used in a Z and two knots. To show the high-speed decomposition. And look at this shit here. He's filming the heat. Yeah. The, 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 The visual work on this, the camera work, everything on this, this is visual. So when you see it, you're absolutely right in terms of 
you know, let's get the uh, 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 let's get the weed out and smoke because we're going to see shit that we generally don't see. Yeah, like just the scene of some guy driving a truck up the road is some of the trippiest shit you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And the way he just films that right there, just damn. Yeah. You know, when I first saw this, I saw this late at night on HBO. And I couldn't sleep afterwards. I said, what the hell did I watch? Yeah. I only used a small small snippet of the trailer, but don't you believe that that trailer was telling the fucking truth of that blurb they opened with that I used? Yes. Be prepared for a new film-going experience. And this truly was, and still is, a unique film-going experience. Now, you know, uh, uh, so Saul Bass also directed some short films, but this is his only feature film that he ever did. And I put this almost in the same category as Charles Lawton and Night of the Hunter. Seriously, I'm not joking. Except that Charles Lawton chose by choice not to make another film. And Saul Bass are like, there's no fucking way in hell we're ever going to give you any fucking money after this. So here you have your two main characters. Yeah. The guy with the beard is is, is Nigel Hawthorne, and the younger yeah. gentleman is Michael Murphy. And what's missing that's in the novel is just a little blurb saying that the Cattlemen's Association hired these guys. Right. But I like to, but there's certain times you want all that window dressing, and then there's something you're just like, just go with it, man. Mm-hmm. And really, do you agree that this movie works better is just go with it? Oh, uh, it's not, it refuses to tell you what's going on. It won't let, it's not going to, you know, you have to be smart to follow this. I remember, I, I had a very close friend of mine I showed this to. I got the, the DVD, the Bare Bones DVD from Best Buy. It was the only way you could get it. And I showed him this, and he said, like, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, nothing happens? Look at that shot. The monuments. This is a movie about evolution. Evolution happens while you're looking to your left. Yeah. And and when we get to sci-fi films, okay, you've got your 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 shoot 'em ups, your your space pirates, so on and so forth. This one is real sci-fi. 
This one is out there. Because they are being looked at. They're being watched. I find early 70s from about 70 to 75, you would get them taking some insane risks like uh, Logan's Run. That wasn't your normal 50, 60 sci-fi film. Uh, Rollerball. Mm -hmm. Countdown. The Andromeda Strain. They all took risks. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. For every Andromeda strain, you had one Capricorn 4. Capricorn, Capricorn 1, yeah. Capricorn 1, yeah. Which is actually an anti-science fiction film. Yeah, and it was just a typical Hollywood paranoid theater that... Paranoid thriller of the early 70s. And the fact that they went to the trouble to build all these steeples and stuff. Oh, yeah. And these were based on some real weird ant hill formations that had been documented. Yeah, not as big, mind you. No. I love the fact that in most of these movies before then, they would make the ants big and stuff. This one, they don't. They keep up ants. No, 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 no. And and let's make this clear. Uh, Personally, by not making the ants bigger, I think this is a lot more scary and a lot more frightening. Look at that. So the ants made that 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 uh, 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 um, crop circle. Yeah. Well, the sense of confusion. You're in. You're down there with the scientist in the middle of this. You don't know what the fuck is going on. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I can remember seeing this. first time I seen this, it was like the last 20 minutes on uh, USA. And he said, and I quote, "Uh, don't worry about following plot for the rest of this or if you just tuned in. Just watch and enjoy the visuals and have your mind blown. And crop circles were a big thing back then. Oh, absolutely. This mixes all of the real paranoid stuff. You got the animals, uh, the stuff, the Krillian, Witness, uh, Chariots of Gods. Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff Cattle going mutilations. on. Cattle mutilations. This is basically a movie, time, life, a book of strange phenomenons and explanations. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say, Carl? 
Yep. It throws everything but the kitchen sink in. But the interesting <laughs> thing about it, it the interesting thing about it is it all works. It all works. Yeah. If you know what the hell is going on. And I'm not talking well, about plot-wise. If you understand all the beats that he's touching. So the girl on a horse is Lynn Frederick. She becomes a plot point much later. But the one thing that you may not know at this point in time, she was uh-huh. Mrs. Peter Sellers. So now we're in phase two. Yeah. And they're still trying the old school way of getting rid right. of the ant. Which is cool. But there's your research facility. Even the research facility looks different, right? It looks like something you find on the moon. All, all of this is all visual. This whole section here of computers. Now, this is back in the this 70s, whole section, so forgive. This whole movie is fucking. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just pointing out. Okay, so now you've got computers back in the 70s. Now it's a lot different than what we have now. But given the time frame, this was cutting edge, what they're doing. It's cutting edge. Yeah. The other thing we should point out is that you've got two different types of scientists. You've got one who's an entomologist. That's, that's uh, uh, Hawthorne. And the younger one, is um, he deals with uh, numbers and, and, and uh, 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 things like that. And what the fuck the girl on the horse? Well, you'll see what happens. I'm not saying that's not true, but that's not the point. Yeah, but if you read the novel, they did that whole tiny section which cracks me up about how he's talking about he wishes that she was nude on the horse, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah, this is a gorgeous freaking movie that has the balls to try to do dangerous, tries to do shit. That's the worst thing. That's one of the biggest mistakes that you can make, and it breaks my heart that it is. And you know what that is, sir? No, tell me. Thinking that your audience is smart enough to keep up with you. But you know what? I think that's a great thing. Oh, I didn't say it was a bad thing. I'm just saying it's one of the biggest mistakes you can make in a movie. Well, you know what? It's not a mistake as far as I'm concerned. Maybe, maybe, you know, 
it's too smart for the room, but sometimes you need to be too smart for the room. You've got to wait for validation, and that's exactly what's happened here. Yeah, like uh, our favorite stories with, uh, who was, I forget. Oh, da, da, da. Yeah, I forget, but yeah. You have to wait for validation, but still, making a movie and you're expecting that the audience is smart enough to keep up with you is one of the bigger mistakes you can make if you're trying to make a big a studio film to make money. If you're making an indie film, you don't have to worry about shit like that. Okay, so now they're destroying these things. Basically, mm-hmm. at this point, they're... they're uh, 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 declaring war. Let's make that yeah. clear. It is now war. But they don't realize that. Oh, they will. They will, trust me. Yeah. Another film that is smart as this that you need to see is... God damn it, I hate it when my brain snaps. Yet, forgive me, but yeah, no, that's okay. there were smart ones that come out like in the past five years, like Mandy, uh, the color out of space. Well, I don't put those in, 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 in real hard science fiction. The one I would say that came out about eight years smart, ago, not about hard science fiction. right? But the one I would uh compare this to is um. Primer. No, that movie's for pretentious pricks. Well, I'm sorry you don't like it, but that's a that's a hard science fiction film. And so is this. There's a number in California I could call to shut you up right now, son. Do you want me to? <laughs> well, go ahead and do it, because I don't care. Everybody but you thinks that Primer's pretentious shit. Well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't care. I and I know who you would call. I'm well aware of that. Yeah. Now pie, I would put up here there with phase four. Oh yeah, I would. I would do that one too. But I'm just talking smart films that really don't give a damn that if you. Uh, Keep up with them or not. Both of the guy who did Mandy films I would put up in there. I'm a little bit behind you, but don't worry. It's a short film. We're still talking, but only in the 70s would they have a scene where a guy's motherfucking talking on a motherfucking smoking a cigarette at the same goddamn time. (laughs) Yep. That's where you learn your habits. No, I learned my habit from Elliot Gould. Yeah. Ah, okay.
Saul Bass's only movie because this is one of the most unique fucking films there ever really was. Even for a 70s sci-fi movie, this is fucking unique. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of a kind. You're not going to run across this one again. And and I think that's what makes it so so unique and so wonderful of a film. Oh, the movie I was thinking about is uh, The Endless. Have you got to see that one yet, Carl? No, I've not seen The Endless yet. I know you talk about it and you you told me I definitely have to see it. I just have not had a chance yet. Remember, even Vicky loves The Endless. She watched it too and she loved it. Well, that's good. It's another one of those that doesn't explain what the fuck is going on. But yeah, on my local Channel 6, they would show like Sci-Fi Horror Week every year, and there's a 90% chance that they showed Phase 4. USA Channel would show this. This one became a cable... Uh, television staple pretty much as soon as it came out. Yeah. Same as another one of my favorite witch trippy horror films, which would be a double feature from this, but it came out uh, pretty close to it year-wise, and that would be Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Now, here... here don't we... Watching both of those as a double feature. God damn. Now here you've got the the, the whole thing that happens with the uh, with, with the uh, yellow uh, um, insecticide, and of course the two of them are out there stuck in it, and they're going to die too. And this whole thing with the ants, uh, with the fire and the ant circle, that's a riff on, what is it, the naked prey? The one from the 60s? Uh, yeah, uh, uh-huh. So I've got the right, exactly. so I've got the right title for it? Yep, you've got the right title. What that is is a pretty crappy romance of 20 minutes of ants, of them fighting ants. Right, girl? Right. But, yeah. They say nothing's going on. This whole movie is about the destruction of one civilization by another. An animalistic civilization that is destroyed by, that one is supposed to be more animalistic but becomes more civilized. Yep. Is that anything to do with, uh, you know, nothing happens, my ass? No, really. Hell, we even talked yesterday at the one we recorded yesterday for the steel helmet or really nothing happens in that movie but that movie just moves 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 
This one is this one takes its time. It does. It yeah, takes but it its still time. Moves. It's pacing and stuff. For a slow paced film, this movie moves. Oh, absolutely. And for a movie and when I say a movie moves, I don't mean like nowadays, bing 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 bing. I mean the story is always in motion. Yes. Like even Days of Heaven, I would say that story is always in motion. Mm-hmm. So here they're they're in the uh, uh, their their spacesuits or their hazmat suits. You take a look at what the ants did. They attacked the motor. Yeah. So no, they're at showing the moment where they're realizing that they're like, hey, these bugs ain't stupid. No. And that becomes a very big thing here, uh, particularly with the Michael Murphy character. And you'll see it as as it uh, transpires. And yeah, I love how even it looked. The inside of their thing, you didn't say it earlier, but it still looks futuristic today with the, the chrome and shiny metal and stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It really hasn't aged that much. Nope. Why didn't you mention that the yellow uh, so-called poison looks like pee-pee? Because <laughs> I don't go into bodily functions, okay, like you do. I'm just saying. Or to make them snow cones as thick as it is. Yep. Well, yeah. Any other movie would have taken a scene where they're just shooting po- the poison out and made it into liquid is falling. Not this one. Nope. Let's take the liquid falling and make it into some fucked up druggy shit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, there is nothing okay. wrong with that. I have seen too many movies not take visual risk in something where they could put a flourish on it. And they just... But again, this is all visual. This is all about visual flourishes. This is all about the photography. Uh, 
Even yeah, like, if you take a look at the ants right now, what they're showing. So you've got the black ants are doing something specifically. Uh, that golden ant is, is more the queen. There's all this class thing going on. They're all talking. And it's the, the photography is just amazing. I mean, literally amazing. And the thing is, if you're on drugs and you're watching this, you know, you are freaking the fuck out. Seriously. Yeah. There's no or doubt. The day after they show the poison getting spread, they he could have just shown the inside or the insects getting together, but no. Let's take three minutes and show the, how that yellow shit looks coated all over the coffee mugs, how over that yellow shit looks coated all over the cactus. How yeah. that yellow shit looks coated all over the ground. Well, remember this, too. At its heart, this is an ecological science fiction horror movie. So they're going to focus in on things like that. That makes sense. Yeah, but it's more like we could focus on the story. We could focus on this stuff that looks visually gorgeous. Let's go for the visually gorgeous. No. Well, it's a combination of that. It's also a combination of they didn't want to uh, uh, spoon feed you. They wanted you to think about this film. And so how do you think? Seriously, I mean, do you think visually or do you do you take some time and, 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 and get it over your mind and try to figure out what's going on? And that's, that's the tact that they're running now. Yeah, and look, even... The hazmat suits are fucking glittery. Yeah. There is nothing plain in this movie. Nope. Up I want some. But yeah, you're farther along than I am. You're probably pretty closer to phase three. And like I said, the print that I've seen didn't have that little title card that said phase two. Phase three, phase four. Yep. Isn't that how the book split up too? Instead of chapter yes. one, chapter two, chapter three. Yep. That's exactly how it's done. That's exactly. How Y'all to give that back to me because I don't think I should have gave that to you. <laughs> I know. You gave that to me because I I trumpet this film and I deserve it and I love you for it. And that's a wonderful thing you did. Yeah. And what happens is back then, they, any any movie that come out would use the books to promote it because they didn't have the nerd back then. So what do they have? The bookshelves. The magazine yep. shelves. So two weeks before a movie came into town, and Carl could tell you this. You would go to the local grocery mart in the paperback section or your bookstore or wherever some magazines. And you would see the book for the movie that's coming into your town soon be on the book racks. Yep. Very true. They would want to, even the adult films did that, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So here... What I'm seeing here is now they have the insecticide. They've taken it inside the hive, 
and now they're going to eat it and and become uh, uh, um, become uh, uh, you know so it doesn't hurt them. Yeah, and you know what the funny thing is? That's become science fact. Oh yeah. All we've done with spraying these poisons and stuff, we've really created superbugs. Yeah, and that, you know, think about the idea of antibiotics and viruses, too, and what we're going through right now. We've created super viruses. It's what you happens. Know, Japanese call it, I mean, the coronavirus is just the nature of the beast. Right. But this whole section of of them bringing the the, the poison into the uh, that that's an amazing thing. And how many films would take that much time to 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 show you that? And we talk about how this film stops and takes time. Let me stress again that this movie is in its longest cut, which we don't have about. 91 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it seems longer than that. You know, it actually seems longer than that. That's because the pacing is such, you know, that it takes its time. It takes this its whole, time, but it moves, it moves, it moves, it moves. I know yeah. that sounds hypocritical, doesn't it, Carl? Well, it sounds a little odd, but that's exactly what happens. I have seen three-hour movies that last five seconds, but I've also seen 60, 70-minute movies that just seem like they take fucking forever. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's like, um, I forget the title. I was like watching it. I was like, God damn, this movie's two hours and 30 minutes long. And then after it's over, look at the tape. You mean 72 minutes? Shit. (laughs) Yeah. And the way they restored this print is so, God, it's gorgeous. So what you saw there is now that the queen has imbibed the the, the the poison, she's bringing out eggs of that n- number, of that color. Yeah. What a bunch of horse shit. What? They only put the scene where they drilled the hole in the hand and the ants come out just so they could have a horror image to put in the fucking trailer. It's still uh, an impressive image. Oh, I know, it's but still, still yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. I could just hear the studio going, you got to have the fucking hole in the hand. Ba, 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 ba. You got to have the fucking hole in the hand. Because the studio put such a hard on the entire U.S. fucking ad campaign was built on that hole in the hand. Oh, yeah. Absolutely it was. 
shit, that's Kung Fu Ant right there. Motherfucker bounce off the ground and jump up. Kicking in the air. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And then here now you have... They've already hinted towards the ending because... I'm back further than Carl. We're talking in two different worlds, but we're talking the same thing. But when they show her in the goggles, uh huh, they already got her looking ant-like. So I'm a little ahead of you, and so now all the wildlife is fleeing. All the snakes and, and, and all the small animals are getting the fuck out of there. Yeah, and if I can't and if I was here in the country and I seen all of the deer and the snakes and the ants come out of the woods and start heading west, my ass would start running west. I'd ask later what the hell we running for. Yeah, really. <laughs> Always Agreed. follow the rats, they say. Oh, what do you think about that on my wall? That because of this whole coronavirus and the starving thing, we're getting these super rats that are starved and looking for food. Oh, that's not surprising. That's not surprising at all. Yeah, nature's kicking back in. They're like, motherfucker, you staying in, we taking over. Nigel Davenport's performance is a lot warmer than the way his character is represented in the book. Yeah, but he turns out a real asshole at the end of this anyway. So, yeah, it's there, though. Yeah, it isn't an asshole. He's just, in the book, he's presented as more stiff from the very, very first. Right. She puts on one hell of performance in this movie. She she never really got her chance. This is the one film that I remember her in, and and she's very good in it. Yeah, especially because of the way she has to act because of certain twists that come later in the movie. Right. Oh, and here's one of the most gorgeous shots that they always use in the trailer, too. Okay, which one is that? Because we oh, are in a little different place. looking at the ant up close. Oh, yeah, I'm not there yet, actually. I'm not there. It's almost there. It's oh, that's a great in the shot. Module and they're in there fighting, you know. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that one shot of her looking at the ant... Ants they use in the trailer. Whoever cut the trailer for this knew what the fuck they were probably saw bass themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
I'm right where they're taking the thing in. So the shot I was talking about before that, where she uh, looks at the red ant in the glass yeah, and focuses on that extreme close-up of her eyes. And she says, go away. Yeah. Oh, and do you notice what kind of music they're playing as they're dragging in the acid into the handhive, Carl? No. That's re- that's sort of a religious choral movement. Well, it doesn't it doesn't uh, 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 it doesn't. I mean, it's set like that, but it's not based on an actual piece that I know or anything like that. So. Yeah, but you get the motive, don't you? You know they're bringing it in. Yeah, like exactly. I understand what you're saying. And this one makes a, and these ants are badass. They're sacrificing their fucking lives to get that shit in there. Oh these yeah. Badass Absolutely. I don't see many humans that be willing to go that far to help a fellow human out or on nope. the weekend. I mean, really. I'd really wish that our people would be willing to more sacrifice to help the others. God, I want a haircut. I mean, and seriously. <laughs> and he's bringing in that point too to show why the humans downfall because you know Nigel and oh, the yeah. guy they're fighting with each other and the ants they're like we got to get this shit done yeah It's the mother fathers that get shit done that end up winning the battle, not the ones who are involved in their own little worlds. Well, the other thing that comes comes through in this, and, and I want to make this clear, is the difference between the two scientists. The one, Nigel Davenport, considers... Uh, 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 considers uh, man to be so superior. And so he underestimates the ant, whereas Michael Murphy understands there's an intelligence there and wants to understand it. And the other two things is that the Nigel Davenport scientist deals in fact, science fact. And mathematicians deal in theory. Right. And when you deal in theory, you're more open to new ideas. True. It is so sad that this movie really didn't get a chance to catch on or didn't catch on on the big screen. Well, you know, I will will at least say that I think this was too smart a film. 
I think I think it just overestimated maybe the, its audience a little bit. Uh, it, a lot of people argued that it was trying to be 2001 without being 2001. And you know what? Yeah, there's no pretentiousness in it. No, no. Uh, this makes much more sense to me. Now, now I'm in where they're they're attacking the uh, the heat element. Yeah. Uh, and see the ant going down the copper pipes. Uh, it's amazing what they do. And that's the whole thing about this. And again, it all comes down to the visuals, man. Yeah. But you also got to realize that TV, a.k.a. the late night movie, the midday movie, the USA movie, they embraced this film like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie, once it hit television, this movie really took off. Mm-hmm. Hell, even you seen it on HBO. Oh, yeah. I doubt this had a real uh, um, release in theaters. I, I, I mean, I know it was released, but I also know it was pulled like immediately. Yeah, because who was it? A uh, Paramount that released this? Yeah, I think so. They were another one of the major studios that really didn't embrace or understand the midnight audience or the midnight movie phenomenon. Right. Because if you look at the early midnight movies, they were always either uh, indies or New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema embraced and made their bones on the midnight movie scene. Uh, right. Who was it? And Paramount really did good because uh, with uh, they caught on because with Harold and Maude, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show and stuff. They really jumped in deep. But this one, TV is like, no, motherfuckers, y'all motherfuckers are going to be, we taking this, this is ours. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And it was popular, too. It's just sad that this movie didn't catch on so people could see it on the big screen like it was supposed to be seen. Right. Like, can you imagine and how trippy this would be to see it on a big movie Are you kidding? I've always been to see it. So now we have the white grasshopper coming in. And this, this sequence is amazing. And it's gruesome and it's just, ooh. And this movie is PG, too. Yeah. 
And well, you know what's what odd about nature. this movie for a PG? For, well, if it had the original okay. ending, it would have been R-rated, but let's not get into that yet. But You notice what's really not in this movie? What? There's no sex? Nope, not at all. There's no on-screen graphic violence. Nope, not at all. And there's no dirty words. Nope. You don't need them. You literally do not need them. And there's not even any of the non-dirty word dirty words. <laughs> non-dirty word. Okay, you have to explain that to me. Hell... Damn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Crap. Nope. Heck. But to me, the way this plays is like you're looking at a scientific dissipation of an incident. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you were to, to suggest someone to direct this film or direct a sequel, a remake or a sequel, who would you consider? Mm, getting Saul Bass out of the grave and having him do it himself because no one else could touch it. Now, I actually think there's somebody who could. Who? Cronenberg. This perfect Cronenberg. Particularly with that scientific, he went back to a science fiction as opposed to a psychology stuff he's been doing. And and yeah. really looked at this. Oh, I think he could do this in a heartbeat. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if this is remade at one point or another. this being remade because look of uh, all of the first three of Cronenberg's films which one has been remade out of the first three which is they came from within uh, Rabbit and uh, The Brood Rabbit yeah because plastic surgery Which I haven't seen, so I can't say yay or nay, but it's the Saska sisters. So I'm staying away from it with uh, Cross going, get away, until I hear a word from from people that I trust that it actually is good. But everything I heard is, eh. At least it's not horrible. That's what I heard. Yeah. But this is such a one-in-a-kind, unique gem that couldn't happen again that I wouldn't want them to see to try to update it because they would fuck it up. More than likely, you're right. I I really don't disagree with that. There's only a couple people I would even consider having this done again. And one of them would be a Cronenberg. But again... It's amazing, you know, the thing about this, as far as I'm concerned, and I keep saying this throughout the thing, it's the visuals. The, the, 
The camera work that is done here is stellar. And why? Well, of course, we know why this was an Upburn Academy Award because of that, because they're not going to give a Academy Award to, to such a bizarre fucking film like this. There's no way. And plus, it's not New Hollywood. No, it's not. Now, I love that they're having them bond already, and that's part of the... Plan. Uh huh. This is not presented as a romance, but it's just part of the, you know. And I love the fact that they don't show what the hell, or even try to hint on what the hell that started the plan. Well, you saw the thing at the beginning, and they do say it that that there was this event on the sun that sent in radiation to a specific spot on the Earth, which is the Arizona desert. And the whole thing with that goes back to how did uh, a lot of you used to kill ants when y'all were kids. Oh, with uh, magnifying glasses. Yeah. Or matches. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. He said, God damn. Shit, fuck. <laughs> Not to worry, though. It's still a PG movie. Yeah. Well, God, it's the 70s. You could say shit in there and say fuck in a PG movie. Or have, have uh, basically, you know... Nudity and 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 all sorts of shit. Pedophilia Baby even. Was and, and, movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you keep bringing it up. The too smart for the room. No, I don't think this is too smart for the room. I just think the studio. And this is shocking with 70. Really didn't give it a chance to see if it even had an audience. I mean, you're talking this is a decade where my dinner with Andre got a wide freaking release. <laughs> True. And that was just Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory sitting at a damn table talking throughout the whole movie. They don't even change locations at all, do they? No, they don't.
it's sort of a Vietnam allegory too, because most of the damage done to their place is done by suicide bombers. Wouldn't you say? Well, you don't have to say. Am I right, Carl? Yeah. Suicide bombers are suicide squads. And here's a here's one of the only visual flaws in the movie. Uh, it's uh, supposed to be like eighty or ninety and a hundred degrees plus in the dome by now. Yep. But all the colors in there are cool. Mm-hmm. The blues, the grays, they're cold colors. Okay. You know, you, you talked about an earlier shot with the ant. Now, I'm a little ahead of you. This is the shot that I think of when we're... Uh, I'm basically at 102 at this point. And she just yeah. says, go away. It's a, it's a beautiful shot. Oh, yeah. But you understand what I'm talking about when I say that they uh, ruin that it sort of takes away how hot it's supposed to be. Yeah. Remember, uh, James Cameron said he fucked up with that and aliens. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing is, at this point, Nigel Davenport is is getting sicker and sicker from the bite, and of course he's the one that 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 put the uh, uh, um, the stuff out there, the yellow stuff out there, and they ate it, and uh, he uh, and he's poisoned because of what he did. Yeah. Now he's going crazy. And there's nothing we really haven't mentioned is that all of the cameras used in this movie, and there's a term that came from this movie. Okay. Because they did an interview with Saul Bass, and they asked him, he said, are the cameras you're using on this movie, are they cutting edge? He's like, no, they're bleeding edge. So let's talk about the cinematographer. The cinematographer was Dick Bush. Dick okay. Bush. <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. Never mind. Okay. That's a cheap joke, and I'm with you. Um, <coughs> but he did a lot of uh, director of photography to begin with uh, for Schlesinger and things like that. Then he became... Uh, but he also did work on on uh, a number of different things. Crimes of Passion, he was director of photography. We talked about that. The Philadelphia Experiment. Uh, of course, Phase 4. Uh, Dracula AD. 72, Savage Messiah. 
And of course, we talked about uh, we talked about the Hellstrom Chronicles. Yeah, and what the term bleeding edge means is that the cut is so the edge is so fresh that it's still bleeding. Mm-hmm. These cameras were insanely experimental. Mm-hmm. Until they shot the first shots of this movie, they didn't even know some of the camera equipment would even freaking work. Very true. Very true. And that's way, not a grasshopper, need... that's a mantis, you asshole. And that brings okay. up a second question. Okay. What the fuck is a mantis doing in the middle of the fucking desert? They brought him in. It was it was delivered to them. Does it say that in the movie or in the book? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. And it certainly says it in the novel, too. So Lynn Frederick, uh, who was Mrs. Peter Sellers at the time, unfortunately she she passed away very very young. She was only thirty nine yeah. when she passed, and she was only in her twenties at this point. Uh, you could tell she looks very young. Uh, yeah. But she had acted a lot. I mean, she was in uh, uh, Vampire Circus, Henry VIII and his Six Wives. Numerous TV things on the BBC. She did this film. And then uh, uh, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Uh, Guest Spot on Space 1999. And finally, The Prisoner of Zenda. uh, Which, of course, is uh, Peter Sellers' film. It was... uh, the weird thing was is that Pizner Zenda was the last film that he shot, but it wasn't the last film of his that was released. Right, that's true. The last film of his that was released was uh, The Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. Right. But The Prisoner of Zenda, God. Yeah. That was the movie that made me realize I didn't have to see every Peter Sellers movie ever made. True. Well, and another thing we have to take a look at is Michael Murphy. This movie did not lose money. This movie was already in profit before it shot because of money it made off of Grants just to get the photography and the cameras working. Mm-hmm. And once they found out that it did work, they made a shitload of money off the cameras. Yeah. Now, what I was going to say is, is the work of Michael Murphy here, I think, is really subtle and really well done. Um. He has the less showy role. 
it's a less showy role, but it's it it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Oh. The decomposition camera work, you know, when the rat goes out, the mouse, and the various things like the praying mantis, it's just, it's sped up, but it is, it, it's unnerving. It's incredibly unnerving. And the way that Greenway used it in the Zed and Two Knots, damn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I love this part of it where he sent them a message via computer and now they're sending back. Of course, the way that, that the computers are back then, that is Fortran. Fortran was a type of computer language where you had to put in uh, uh, coded cards and then and then explain, you know, how you wanted the figure to come out and they would do it. And it, it's amazing. What isn't amazing in this movie? Well, yeah, sure. You have a point. Would you check the microwave, motherfucker? It's beeping. The food's done. Goddamn. And I love that the movie put shows you at the end what it does, but you're so tripped out by then you don't figure out how the hell did the ants learn everything. Yeah. The girl told them. No, not no. They already had. They they already had intelligence at the beginning. Because of the the yeah, thing. but what the, they may what learn I'm more, saying, but they would have done it anyway. Yeah, but the girls, but having the psychic connection with the girl, let them see through her eyes, and da 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 da, da you know. Now the other thing about 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 Lynn Frederick, she's twenty years old at the time, and she was made to wear a corset so that she would become less uh, 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 voluptuous. I love this scene right here. It's just so beautiful and poignant. Yeah. The ants cleaning up the bodies and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the fact because it's not making them look human, making them look smart. It's making them look human. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, they're a society too, and that's part of where the novel goes. It's it's just, you know that they have a society also. Yeah. And of course they do. And in the novel, there's another voice off of there that says that there's an alien intelligence that started this. Yep. 
Anyway, it just strikes me as a great choice that uh, how bare bones that Saul Bass decided to take the story. Mm-hmm. Now she's walking barefoot outside. You see the ants coming out after her. Now it's very interesting what happens here. Yeah. They're reclaiming their spy. Yeah. But they don't bite her either, which is interesting. What? So they don't bite her either. Yeah, she freaks out, but they don't bite her. Not like they did yeah, with that's Michael Kevin. He's their spy. See, I disagree with you on that. I truly disagree with you on that. I know, but then you also like Primer. <laughs> but that's not an argument. That's what about is there's no, there's nothing that supports that here. She's, she's, and even in the novel, it doesn't come through. They don't say that in the novel at all. Yeah, it's another thing that's said without being said. She's there, I No, see, I disagree completely. Like I said, and you like Primer, which is a proof of concept of your... Lack of intelligence when it comes to picking intelligent <laughs> sci-fi. Sometimes. Well, you know what? You could you you could bash me all you want. Concept. Facts are facts, I got proof, buddy. I got proof of concept on my side, son. <laughs> and we are getting. Pretty close to the freaking ending, aren't we? With yes, we the are. girl being taken back. So now there's a definite break between Murphy and Davenport on what to do. And that brings about the ending. And what's sad is most of the footage that's going to be missing here that's in the new Italian uh, Blu-ray that's out is more... is. Probably more proof of the concept that this movie tried to be 2001. Than anything that's in the movie. Right. Would you say? Yep. Tarantino must love this movie. 
<laughs> so he falls down the... Oh, yeah. Crawl in her belly button, you crazy aunt, you. <laughs> Are you looking down on me like you're supposed to? <laughs> yeah, I'm at the end now. Yeah. Hobbs is... Just gone through the uh, uh, through the hole and and now now he's gone with the blue stuff, I'm trying to kill all the ants. She has disappeared. Yeah. Now, if you're interested in seeing the the missing footage, it is on YouTube, and you search Phase Four. All region free, which has the footage integrated back in. Right. Though, in the which I need to get that Blu-ray. Yeah, we were supposed to get a Blu-ray with the new footage. It was about how many years ago, two or three years ago, that yacht, that Phase 4 fans were celebrating like a wild monkey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're like, we got to do footage. It was only in like 20 theaters. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, he's gone down the rabbit hole now. So yeah. now, from here on well, in, is where time. you have the missing. I love the fact what? that you used that term. Yeah, he's gone down the rabbit hole. And now you see this whole thing in the rabbit hole, and then when when the surprise comes up and who comes out of the sand, which is happening now for me, yeah. from that point on, it's cut considerably. And there's, supposedly, I think if I... There's like seven minutes out of the end of the film that they cut. I'll go over to uh, YouTube and uh, see what the timing is. Okay. But now she has changed. She has changed. This is the end of phase four. Five minutes and 51 seconds. Yeah, six minutes. And even with this sequence here, which is cut considerably, it's still going 2001 on you. Yeah. 
except that in the longer version, they became one with all the planet's animals. Right. And at the very end of the movie, you are supposed to hear the only time you actually hear the alien's voice. Which you do not hear. And now you have yeah, it directed by Saul Bass. Yeah. Begin phase five. Boom, directed by Saul Bass. Uh-huh. I can't say enough about this film. I mean, we were prattling on and talking about it, but I could easily watch this and watch this and watch this and be amazed and see new things all the way through it. Let's well, also keep in mind that for a tiny bit, brother. Yeah. But seriously, good stuff. And only five people in the in the whole cast. That's it. Five people. Six, seven, if you count the old couple. Or is it no, five no, no. including That's the counting old them. That's counting them. The old couple, Glenn Frederick, and the two scientists. That's all there is. I love this freaking movie. It's good. It lives up. How do you like that there's a whole generation of kids that seen this on TV and love this, Carl? Well, you know, the well, weird you thing is, okay. When you ran into it. So, so, so the interesting thing is I'm on IMDb and uh, uh, I'm on the page and I'm looking at the uh, reviews. Basically, the least number I've seen is seven, up to nines and tens. People love this movie. And, yeah, it was Paramount, by the way. It was Paramount. Yeah. Um, Just an amazing How do you think this movie really would have fared if they would have just thrown it out in the wild back then or tried to take it on to the midnight circuit? Oh, this is midnight movie. This is midnight movie all written all over it. Seriously. Yeah, this would have been no taken questions. over by the 2001 Let's Get Stoned and Watch Some Fucked Up Shit movie crowd. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Personally, I like this better than 2001. Much better. Oh, yeah. Isn't it funny? Kubrick, 2001. Fucking hippies. I don't want my movies shown like this. Boom. Walt Disney. Fuck it. At least they're watching Fantasia. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, there's that you talk about all the time where, where Fantasia was shown along with 20 Minutes uh, the last 20 minutes of 2001, especially for the stoner crowd, back in the midnight yeah. days. It was called 2000, 2001, the part that you want to see. <laughs> well, this could have easily been here, too. And the thing about it, when you compare this to 2001, A, it's, it's, it's okay, it doesn't have how. Okay, let's, let's face it, it does not have how. But it's paced better. It's a lot less pretentious. Uh, the visuals are are just as good, if not better. And it's and a hell of a lot more creepy. 
Would you agree with that, Stephen? Yeah. And it's not obtuse. And no. it's easy to watch. The plot is easy to follow. Yeah, but you know the thing is it's not it's not it's not put out for you you know, you still have to put it together somewhat. You still have to think about it. Uh, it, it is definitely a thinking man's sci-fi film. Yeah. No, it's not Star Wars. Not Star no. Wars. When I talk about 70 sci-fi, Phase 4 is one of the ones that I mean. Uh, phase 4, a uh, boy and his dog, uh, Soylent Green. Yeah. Rollerball. Even the Omega Man. Yeah. They assume that you're smart. Yeah. And how proud does it make you that us kids of my generation who grew up with uh, the U.S., well, who were... uh, uh, teens in the early 80s, I was like 11 up, were like, Phase 4, whoa, we like this shit. Well, you know, you've got to give USA a, a, a real uh, shout-out for, for introducing this film to a whole generation. Because, trust me, those of us that saw it in the 70s and love it, you know, it disappeared. We, I couldn't find this on TV forever. And it was almost like it was a dream that I saw this because no one could find it. In the, I mean, remember, I was working at, at the drive-in. I even talked to, 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 to um, uh, Howard about it, who could get almost anything to watch. Yeah. Nope, never was able to find this one. Trust me, I asked them a lot. Oh, I know. USA Channel didn't exist to 8081. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you Thursday when we watch Seconds, another great depressing film that pretty much I didn't get to see until I was in my 20s. Probably the same with you, Carl, until you was in, like, 30s or 40s. No, I actually saw it in the 80s when I was here in New York. I saw it at a rep theater. Yeah, about 85, 86. And and I was in my 20s at that point. I was in my mid to late 20s. I think it was, like, 84, 85. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 84, 85 is when it came out. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I was about 15 then, but... What happened was, it was weird. It was like, for a long time, it was a banned movie. And then all of a sudden, it came out. Well, you know, part of that, too, uh, it's not unusual, because uh, remember we had the AIDS crisis. And, of course, Rock Hudson passed away from it. And if I remember correctly... Was it before he passed that they did it or after? I'm not sure. I'd after. Have to check. 
after because it yeah, came out the same okay, about because the same they did it, time they did it that uh, two times. Yeah. Yep, you're right. You're right. Because it came out the same time that the Manchurian candidate came out wide. Another movie I love. And we will see you Thursday. And thank you for watching. And thank you for watching this with me, Carl. Oh, absolutely. I, I, well, you know there was no way I was going to miss this. No friggin' yeah. way whatsoever. Seriously. And, and we will see you on Thursday. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that one, too. Good night, Carl. Good night. Take care. See you on Thursday. Come on. Where's the sound? Our national anthem. television. It signifies that KNBC observes the high standards of programming and advertising. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.